Hi, this is Marisha for Love Your Creativity. Now, I went round to visit my friend Alita Collins, a choreographer, to interview her, and she had an unexpected guest. Alita, as well as being a Guinness Book of World Records holder for organising the largest internet tour to dance for Big Dance 2008, she has also choreographed such pieces as Anna Nicole, the opera. She's currently also working on Made in Dagenham, the musical version, and has worked extensively in operas and dance pieces across the world. She also works in theatre and film and pure dance pieces as well. So when I popped round to see her, she'd been working on Made in Dagenham, the musical. They were at very early stages on that. And she had a friend of hers who was writing the lyrics, Richard Thomas. Richard Thomas wrote Jerry Springer, the opera, that fantastic piece, and has also written various other pieces, such as Anna Nicole, the opera, which um, Elita was also involved with. Richard Thomas is an Olivia Award winner from 2004. Anyway, let's get into the interview. There is a slight hissing. This is because we did the interview at Elita's, and she has a lovely flat by Somerset House in London, and they have a little balcony and terrace there. So we sat outside with a bottle of wine and had a drink and a little chat. But there is a buzzing, and it was just from the building, but um, I'm pretty sure it's still clear, but it was too nice to go inside. Yeah, really interesting chat about creativity to professionals who keep on working and making award-winning work. This constant move forward and some advice on what happens when you fall out the bubble at the end of the show. Hello, I'm here. This is Marisha for Love Your Creativity, and I came over to my friend Elita's, who I love, Elita Collins, the choreographer and generally a uh, wonderful woman and uh, she's insisting actually that I, I interview her guest instead <laughs> who's not having it either who is Richard Thomas. Alita is a choreographer say hello Alita. Hello. <laughs> and Richard Thomas is a well lyricist, musical writer. Uh, composer writer, writer composer. Writer composer. And uh, I know that Elise worked on Anna Nicole, the opera, which yep. Richard also wrote. Yep. And yeah. I, I gather Jerry Springer, the opera. That was and mine. And then I think called Shoes, which was uh, you know, a dance thing, which I need to do it, but featured heavily in. Wonderfully. Wonderfully. Not, and heavily, not as a heavy person, <laughs> but as a light. Yeah, light as a touch. <laughs> so, yeah, I've seen her at work, and I've seen her at play. Yes, and as have I. I was at their wedding, actually. Oh, it, was, yeah. it was wonderful. Really. It was a lovely, lovely experience. So I came to Corner Alita about talking about creativity, really from a how do you keep going, how do you pick yourself up? I mean, how is it, for example, you're here, I know you're about to start a new musical. Where do you start, given that you know you've got to write it, hone it, get funding, get casting, and then do the production and the investment and then that? I mean, do you just go, I know what I'm doing every time, or do you just fall into a dark, deep pit and hope? <laughs> wow, you got it, honey. You just worked it out. Yeah. I think it's a mixture of all of those things. Oh. I mean, everything has to start with an idea, um, but the idea does differ. It's not, it's not always the idea of the piece I want to make. I mean, sometimes it is that. Sometimes I, I made a piece a couple of years ago based on the film The Red Balloon, right. and that was very much me thinking, oh, I really want to make a dance theatre production for that. And then I took it to a theatre that happened to be the Limbury at the Royal Opera House, and they loved the idea, and then together we produced it. Um, although other times it's more been about a space. So um, I went to Somerset House next door with the beautiful courtyard, and that was about wanting to make a piece of work for the space, not starting with the idea, but going to them saying, 
Halabal is doing a dance piece in the fountains. And then from that, an idea evolved. Um, so they can come either way round, and then sometimes, um, you know, you're asked to go to a theatre with maybe three or four ideas to, that, that old-fashioned word, to pitch ideas. Yeah. And that can be hard, because sometimes it's hard to have more than one idea at a time, and that's about reading a lot or thinking or talking to people and trying to come up with different ideas that you think that particular theatre might be interested in. So I suppose, as a freelancer without a company... I'm used to starting projects in very different ways. And with the musical you were just talking about, I was asked to come on board with that. The idea had already happened. So Richard was already starting. You were already writing, weren't you? Because I remember getting some songs, and this is going to be the idea of the musical, and these are the first drafts of the songs. So that process had already started on that. How did that one start? Um, well, actually, I'm a hired hand on that one, a bit like yourself. Right. Oh. So it wasn't my idea. But normally, like yourself, <laughs> <laughs> I'd take an idea to and, you know, pitch, pitch my lungs off and try and sell it. Pitch sell your lungs that, off. Sell that pitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's what takes um, practice. But I was lucky I, I once wrote a terrible script down in L.A. It's my day story which is a very bad script to be fair uh, to them, but I learned how to pitch out of that experience, which is um, it's quite hard. You're there, you have to sort of go in and talk with passion and enthusiasm for an hour. It's exhausting. You know? Oh, good Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they ask questions for an hour. It's always like an hour. Mm. Whereas here, it's slightly more downbeat. So once you've done that, it's a little uh, easier, I think. You've got your gold stars of pitching. Here, if they like it, they'll tend to go, your meeting will be very short. And they go, yeah, we like it, let's do it. And it's great. You can be in and out in 15, 20 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah, whereas in LA, you, you could have an amazing hour, but you'd have no idea. Mm-hmm. You think that was amazing. They'd call me yeah. a genius. And then you never hear, <laughs> then you never hear them from them again, you know. So. so do you always tend to write the kind of the music and the, com- the composition and the lyrics? And, and, but I guess you must write the book sometimes, or have very heavy... Uh, St. Joseph in the Opera, I did about five-sixths of it, according wow. to the royalty. And then... Um, Say the Anna Nicole opera, you know, in music theatre terms, I would have done book and lyrics because operas, they they call it, that comes under one cheap umbrella called libretto. Well, yes. get me started. <laughs> and then um, with this Made in Dagenham, it's a more old fashioned kind of Broadway approach, which is I do lyrics, David Arnold's and music, and uh, Richard okay. Bean's doing, writing the book, which is classic kind of fit on the roof style I mean, I mean that in the best oh, yes, possible Yes, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a compliment. Sounds like a terrible but anyway. But uh, he's, he's great, though. And it's, uh, yeah, so we've been lucky, and there's a good, we've got a good crowd there. Yeah. So, how did you start doing this? How did you start thinking, I have the temerity to come up with an idea, be it for a dance or for a, a, a musical, and then wander into your first place and start pitching before you've got your pitching LA stripes sorted? Well, I think I was just massively encouraged as a, as a young person. And by that I mean probably from about the age of 11 or 12, I was really encouraged by my dance teachers to... Um, I had a fantastic teacher 
who still performs. She performs in all the shows at the Royal Opera House and things. An amazing woman for teaching in little, you know, literally village hall kind of ballet class. She was um, a very modern ballet teacher and um, encouraged all of us to make our own dances for exams. We weren't, she was never going to teach us one. We had to make them. So that was my first connection with choreography. And then when I went on to train at the London Contemporary Dance School, The Place, I started there as a young person and I was encouraged uh, the whole time there by my teachers to make things. And I think it was really that, that, that it never seemed a big deal that you were expected to make something, you were expected to be creative, that dance wasn't just learning material. Um, and then I was very fortunate that when I was still at college, uh, a dance piece I made on my friends at school was then bought by the main company there and toured throughout the world and I was still only 18. Um, and from that I got commissions. Um, but that was a route which, although it was, it was fantastic and maybe I could have just carried on in that way, I was also at the same time being asked to choreograph for operas and this was a good 25 years ago when now in opera it's very you know expected that a choreographer's part of a team is doing an opera but 25 years ago it was still quite unusual and I was just really excited about the scale of working on something like an opera and also I loved working with a director, a designer, a lighting designer this whole team of people that when you're working on dance, especially at that stage, um, it was just you in a room. And I loved this team um, making work. So I started to work more in opera and have had, then had a quite a sort of unique career of working in you know, dance and opera and then sometimes musical theatre and theatre and film. Um, because my first love is dance, but I really enjoy and benefit so much from working with a team. I love, um, I lo I love that approach. And I also love the scale the mm. opera and musical theatre allows you to work on, which you don't get so often in, in, in dance pieces. We don't have that kind of resources yeah. in this country, or very few companies do. Um, but it's only really been in the last 10 years that I really had to... Um, understand what it's like to go to venues, uh, go to producers with ideas. Because uh, before that, things very much sort of came to me, or I sort of followed what I wanted to do. But now, also working in opera, you know, you'll go in and, and meet a um, artistic director, and they'll say, "So, what kind of operas do you want to do? What what's the world you want to be working in?" And so, um, I've discovered it's really important now to. Um, actually be more proactive and actually come with ideas as opposed to being reactive, which I was, you know, more in the past. Wow. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's a lesson we all learn as we keep going creatively, mm. isn't it? Mm. It's kind of less reactive and more, better get back out there. Yeah. What mm. yeah, about you, Richard? Where did you start from there? Uh, from, 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 from life to Made in Dagenham by Anna Nicole. I suppose I started out as a comedian, part of, uh, you know, uh, as a double act for about eight years, and that mm. was ended very sort of badly when I was 30. But it was a good apprenticeship for, you know, a good apprenticeship for the despair that is the. No, no. It was a good apprenticeship for <laughs> what you have to, you know, 
for like, for white as a, a stand-up as well. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we both we both failed comedians. Service is in good stead, you know. It's nothing like um, so. Uh, you know, did eight years of that, and then I started writing music much more um, for, for TV and all that sort of stuff. And then I got sick of doing that, and then I started writing shows. So it's as simple as that. There were sort of key moments where I turned, you know, just went stopped doing things. So I stopped doing it a double act when I was about 30, 31, I think, too. Did five years of music. One day thought, um, I'm sick of doing this. Turned all the machines off and started pitching shows, which I think is what I always wanted to do. So it was all kind of in preparation for that. Like some kind of Zen, like, but wasn't there very little Zen about it. Zen like preparation for, um, you know, writing years ago. Yeah, well, I mean, I can see the. I mean, when you're a comedian, because I've done stand up yeah. a lot of it, and, and then you end up writing shows and putting music in yeah. and little moments. So you are effectively writing. Well, I think you get a really um, he- healthy attitude towards time on stage and reaction and audience, which is incredibly vocal. So you, you know, I guess the biggest lesson you learn is not to hang around too much. You know, <laughs> yeah. on any one given theme or whatever. You know, and yeah. you know the sound of boredom, but you also know you kind of know the sound of rapture as well. And it's and you know, I mean, I think with comedy, in a great comedy gig, you'll hear the silence and noise in equal measure because the setup is all about the sound of the tension and you've got them, and then the release of the laugh. And it's interesting um, with say the Anna Nicole opera, and with this the Maiden Dagenham thing, I knew yes the other day when we sang it through in Act 2 I could feel that tension in and I knew we got them but the piece as a whole worked and that's and you kind of know that for sure by um, about 15 minutes in to Act 2 because they've come back they've had a bit of a drink whatever you, you know you kind of but you have to take them somewhere else in Act 2 yeah, yeah. and you can feel it I mean, maybe I was oh. just drunk, but no, I wasn't. <laughs> but I was me, and it's a lovely feeling, actually. In a way, that's the kind of those are the moments that you sort of do it for, and they're short-lived, but they do remain. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, there's all. Yeah, there's always in life, isn't there? In any kind of that kind of art oh, and theatre. You just said, and what's strange about it is you land it, and there's a real, there's a sense of inner euphoria, and then there's a kind of inevitable slump because then you go think, okay, we've got, we've still got twenty percent to do of that, and so you know, you, in answer to how do you keep going. It's strange where the troughs and the peaks happen, and often if you fail, I think weirdly it's easier to get up than a success. I know that sounds really strange and Freudian, but there's an element of truth to it. So you, you're sort of well, just because I think it's I, I don't know. I think I think in a way you're you're to keep going. You're in, you know. I think you're we're fed with the romantic, romantic and the uh, practical uh, idea that. It's a struggle, and it probably is. Mm. You know, you don't, uh, but it is. And so, if anything, that's, if suddenly something successful, it feels like, oh, this is wrong. You know, this, how can this be? That it, it's, it's an easy thing. Suddenly, people like you, and you know, <laughs> and they, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're not really, you're not conditioned for that in a way. Especially not here, I think. Uh, I suppose, yeah. No, so it's, would you agree with that? Mm. Well, I think I think I think that, that thing of success is hard too. I think because you're so used to working so um, hard that, as you say, in a way, we're so used to failing. Yeah. <laughs> but when there are you know. notes to do, when there are things to change, when there's that sort of energy yeah. of just persevering, yeah. is one that's um, simpler because yeah. there's still a goal. But then, what happens when you then achieve that goal? Yeah. 
and we know that kind of that blues you get after yeah. creating something. And that um, doesn't get any easier. If anything, no, it gets harder. Yeah. I suppose yeah. I'm being surprised yeah. about that. I must say, yeah. as you know. And then how you sort of a let go of that? Yeah. Because hopefully it's still running somewhere. <laughs> it's still being performed somewhere. But to move on from that and yeah. then start that process again. And how do you? I mean, where do you? I'm interested in almost in the last question really, so we can get on with drinking our wine. But um, so you're always saying that when you're in failure, I'm just wondering if you have any tips for getting back up again at work. And and obviously, how does one define failure? Because you yeah. know, the critics can hate it, the audience can love it. That's always a of course. You know, I mean, there's very very various degrees of or shades of fifty shades of failure or whatever. You know, I mean, it can be critical critical assessment makes more money at the box office and it's off after a few weeks or it can be you know critical whatever slaughter but you're still running around the world which is great that's what we're hoping for in this or not (laughs) I think the key to it is just have things overlapping to a certain extent and I think if you've um, if you've got a few in the kind of quiet times where that's where I think the inspiration sort of comes and it's very important in those when I say quiet, and I mean unemployed, but then, in, you know, things where things are, maybe there's an overlap of three or four months of being you might get an idea or just, it's allowing yourself just to sort of really relax and be open, I've got to sound like some hippie, be open to the universe and to the world around you, to what people are saying, and I think then the thing hits you in the face, you go, oh, that's what I want to do. I mean, I've got like project lists of about a hundred ideas, and maybe one or two will land. And some of them are terrible, some of them are brilliant, I think, but they're wrong for me, I'll never do them. And, uh, so, and almost, I'm, it's because I'm trying to force that inspiration. So I think, my mate of mine says, I, he says, you know, because I think, I said, well, you get a good idea, it's luck. He says, it's not luck, it's homework. And I think maybe the homework is the like hundred ideas that just get knocked out by the wayside or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. It is. I think at the end of the day, is it's nine. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm getting a clip clips into your rehearsal process here. <laughs> it is creativity. I don't really know what that is. No, it's actually a way of life. This is what yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, true. and and I do get knocked when things don't turn out as I mm. wanted to or I thought that was great and yeah. yet no one else seems to think so or was <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. the people there that night that liked yeah, it because yeah, the, the yeah. print it's not that or w- whatever but of course this is what I do and I find that I um, as long as I keep more focused on myself and what I want to do next Mm. even if that's not creative but just in terms of what sort of situation do I want to be working in next where do I want to go and keep moving forward it's not helpful for me it doesn't make me more creative picking through the rubble of the last day of what yesterday was it's about having that spirit of just moving forwards Um, and there are lots of things that get me out of those dark times because they are um, and it's to do, I think it's very similar to you. I think it's that being open. So for me, that's chanting, you know, 
um, to talk to people, to be out in the real world. Because you also find as well, when you're making something, the world gets very small. Because it's a lovely, cosy bubble. I mean, I think it is just yeah. what you're working on. And I think part of the pain of when you finished it is your back bang yeah, yeah. in the world. Yeah. And the most important thing is, yes, get back out there. Yeah. Actually, reacquaint yourself with who you are and where you are. Um, because those little bubbles, you know, they start really big at the beginning, and as you get closer and closer to the event, you know, it can get quite small, and you can get very tight as well with people yeah, you're yeah. with, really, and it becomes this little cozy. family. And um, as a part of it is just, oh my goodness, that's gone. Yeah. Ah. And there it's, is a certain amount of grief at the end of those yeah, things. Mm. Um, but it's, um, it's know that you're going to start that again. Relief and grief. Mm. Grief and relief. <laughs> the new double act. <laughs> You're relief. <laughs> I just realised actually, therefore, given I, I, this is an impromptu meeting, that you must have written um, I Just Want to Dance. That's fine. I love that song so much. <laughs> I love singing that song. Just round the house and I'm. Oh, good. Such I'm a glad. Great, oh, it's a great song. Uh, serendipity. It's a wonderful so song. Yes, it's, song yeah, it's just because it sneaks up at you so brilliantly. And uh, and then she gets so you know so kind of almost operatic in her drama. Oh she? yeah, and oh just, yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. No, I love it. I'm not going to recite the lyrics because I don't know the age group. It's <laughs> absolutely. I think it's definitely my top five songs. That always get people to kind of just go. What, what did you just say? And I know. Bless. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. I'm gonna um, just add this one thing. Yes. I remember. Oh, last time in the Paralympics, you yes. organised all the Piccadilly Circus clowns performers, and I got pictures. Uh, I don't know if you were there, oh, no, here, Richard. Um, yeah, I'm sure, no, it's it was, amazing. I wish I'd seen it. It was. I mean, I just popped to the end, and it was. I mean, there was trapeze artists across here, oh, and then, and they're all in white, and then a giant blow-up fat cherub starts mm. floating across the top, oh, and then feather starts oh. coming down. And I just a ton, a ton of feathers. A ton. I think wow. most of them ended up in my bra. It took me a week to get the things out. <laughs> they came back. Oh God! Uh, helicopter. Um, they, they, they start drifting about, and then suddenly they all oh, the trapeze artists are thrown them out, and then and then you thought, oh my God! And these geysers of them sort of exploding next oh, to us, wow. and there were. I don't know. Every national item of the mm. sun, packed in Piccadilly Circus. Wow. And we were laughing like children. Mm. And I just... And I, yes, I, yeah, I 25,000 people rolling on the floor. Yes. Yeah. I remember your lovely dancing, that mass dance as well. That was mm. hilarious. Mm. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. I miss that one. Oh, it was great as well. That was another like, yeah. um, I don't know, there were, what, 30, 40,000 people? Yeah. yeah. It was insane. Yeah. Oh, and they'd all been, like, they'd all <coughs> sort of started on the internet, haven't you? Yes. You know, and yeah. it was just... Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. But it's about what I loved about it was this sense of which I'm sure it's the same. Joy. Yeah, and I have no idea who you are next to you, next to me. But actually, this is just. Yes, those feathers were in my handbag. Oh, Janet apparently watched something like The Godfather, the whole trilogy, still picking out feathers out of her black jumper. But it was worth it. Thank you, thank you very much. This is impromptu, and thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope you enjoyed that, and uh, I certainly know that one where you've killed yourself to do a show, and whether it does well or bad, badly, you come out at the end going, oh my God, 
So at least I've got some good tips now about moving forward. So thank you very much for listening. This is Marisha at Love Your Creativity. And if you do like these, it'd be lovely if you could go to iTunes and give me a rating uh, just because that, that way other people can hear it. Thank you. (laughs) 